We were a full day's walk from the car and a lot more miles back to the nearest town from there. It was hot summer, high in the mountains, and we were on a multi-day hike. We would see no other human being for several days. Our packs were heavy. The sun beat down on us intensely at this altitude, and it was dry. The path under our, our boots was just rocks and dust. We'd just drunk the last of the water we had, but we'd planned the trip well. We talked to experts who knew the area. We'd mapped our route, where to stop, where to camp, where to refill our water. We knew that we could get water just a couple miles up the path, and that would be the only spring for miles around. But when we arrived at the spring, it was but mud. Now what? We're out of water. We knew our bodies needed it already. So we continued on. Our mouths grew dry and chalky as the miles and hours passed. We tried chewing gum to keep our mouths wet and just disintegrated in our mouth. Conversation slowed, then stopped as we walked on in silence. Each of us consumed by the idea of a simple drink of water. Our plan had to change. We could not continue on our planned route along the mountain ridge because there would be no water for a very long time. The current reality excluded that option. So we abandoned our plan and found a creek on the map a few miles down the side of the mountain, hoping that it would still be running this time of year. As we approached the fresh water, there was an anticipation of rejuvenation even before it met our lips. And that drink, that long, cold, cool, deep drink, is probably the best water I've ever had. Hope was restored. Have you ever had a plan that seemed good? It was well thought out, well researched, it made sense. But something happened and the plan had to change. Something unexpected happened, maybe good or bad. Maybe your plan got out of your control. Maybe you had to change a heart. Maybe God threw you a curve. How do you handle the disappointments, the stress, the unknowns? Let's talk about that this week. Now, this is Missions Week, so we'll be talking about missions and argue that missions is about living a life of intentionality, wherever God places you. Now, as soon as I say the word missions, some of you may think to yourselves, that's not for me. But what we'll talk about this week is for everyone. Not that everyone will end up in another country, but everyone needs to understand what missions means, what missions, a missions lifestyle looks like, no matter where your life takes you, and ultimately be able to ask yourself, is God asking me to do something outside the box, or more accurately, outside of my box? We'll even talk about ways to discern God's will and move forward. What we're going to talk about this week, in fact, is actually relevant whether you're a mom in Atlanta or a missionary in Asia, a pastor in Nashville or a preacher in Napoli, in corporate America in Birmingham, Alabama, or church planting in Birmingham, England. My desire is that we all grow in understanding and personal commitment to kingdom service and ministry, again, wherever life takes you. We can't really answer some of these missions issues, though, until we address a few more personal, foundational issues. Number one, your vision for your life. Is it too small and too safe? Number two, where are you in your relationship with Jesus Christ? And number three, how are you using your time, 
talents, and treasures for eternal kingdom impact. I want to look at some stories this morning. I'm going to start with mine, and we're going to end with yours, actually. My own story could be titled, He Never Wanted to Be a Missionary. We all know the profiles and stereotypes of missionaries, right? Many live deep in the jungle, like my friends who actually had to cut a road to set up the medical clinic that was needed in Africa. Many spend their days translating the Bible into difficult or obscure languages, or they stand on a street corner preaching. They most likely went to Bible school and seminary. Maybe they started church in some far-off country like many of my colleagues. And they probably since knew since they were small kids that a missionary is what they were going to be. Well, that is not me. I'm not very good with languages. I'm not a preacher. I have not started a church. And like I said, I never intended to be a missionary. Let's just say that missionary was not on my life list. My vision for my life was small and it was safe. And if I'm honest with you, it oftentimes still is. See, I'd written the storyline in my head for my life. It was neat and clean. It was linear and logical. It was simple and safe. But that's not what God had for me. And I've come to find out, shocking as it may be, that that's usually not how it works for most people. It's not neat and clean. It's unexpected. Things don't go as we plan. It's shocking. It's messy. When we or those around us do dumb things or make mistakes, it's complicated when there's no right decision. It's dangerous when bad things happen. Accidents, attacks, disease. It involves loss. When we lose loved ones, we lose health. We lose abilities or influence or status. It gets ugly when those we love and trust betray us or when the sins of others affect us or when our own sins affect others. My friend Carl Martin recently told me, if your vision is not beyond you, it's dependent on you, restricted by you, and offensive to God. If it's a to-do list, just do it. Don't call it a vision. I think he's right. My vision was not beyond Myself are dependent on God. So let's go back a little. There was a time when I sat in chapels like this every week. I came from a believing family. I was baptized as a kid. I had a great dorm of friends. But there came a chapel, I think I was a sophomore, when I realized that I couldn't just inherit my parents' faith, my family's faith. It had to be my own faith. Relationship with Christ is something that I had to decide for myself to accept or not. Would I live a life and surrender to him or a life for me? It didn't matter how good or kind or generous or successful I was. And actually putting off the decision was a decision in itself. I decided then and there that I'd personally own this. I began dating a girl who was also committed to Christ. There's a picture of us on our graduation day before we were married. We started life together and pursuing the storyline that we had in our heads. Within a few years, we had a house, two cars, two kids, good jobs. We were in a good church, good Bible studies, good community. Life was good. Things were going according to my storyline. 
But one day we realized independently that we both had this sense of what I can only describe as restlessness. It wasn't that we were discontent. Like I said, life was good. It was more of a sense of, is this where God wants us, Thad and Joy Macaulay, at this point in time? There was this undeniable tugging on our souls. Is there something different for our lives? It was no judgment on the life we had or the lives of those around us. But did God have something else for us in particular, for our personal storyline? We couldn't get it out of our minds. We knew there was something different. We wanted it. We just didn't know what it was yet. What we didn't realize at the time was that we were about halfway down the path that God was using to reorient our lives. We'd watched some friends go overseas for work and ministry. In fact, my college roommate went abroad to teach English and do outreach. And he was the most career-minded guy I knew. You might know the type. He graduated on Friday evening. Monday morning, he started his corporate job. But here he was, going to live overseas and, and leave that. Other friends took a job assignment in Europe with two tiny kids in tow. And we had yet had other friends that had both had expensive, high-level grad degrees. They had four young kids, and one night they walked into Bible study and said, we think God's calling us to go run an orphanage in Latin America. Huh. And within six months, they'd sold or given away their stuff, packed up their family, and were gone. And we're left thinking, wow, people actually do this stuff? So we're watching all this happen. Then I was going through some job transitions myself, and my wife even asked me, might God want to use me in some kind of ministry job? Without hesitation, I said, nope. You see, I was sure, I was all for people doing ministry and missions. We were even supporting missionaries at this point. But I was sure that was not what God had made me to do. Now, we're feeling this restlessness. Shortly thereafter, we were challenged to consider how are we using our time, talents, and treasures for eternal kingdom impact. Finally, we met a couple who were on furlough in the U.S. after a few years in France. The more they talked about France, the more questions it seemed like we had. And the more we got to know them, the better friends we became. They told us about their story. Turns out we had a lot in common. They told us about their, what they saw in France, the need for the gospel, the opportunities to be used by God there. And we heard their love for France, for the people of France, and for serving God. We began to see that God was opening doors as he prodded our hearts. Now, at this point, we're starting to get a little nervous. We wonder what God's doing. Our church was about to have a missions conference, so we decided we'd ask every missionary we met, we met what their story was, figuring we didn't really fit the whole missionary demographic thing, and that would be a great out for us. Yet, it seemed like the majority of those we spoke with had stories not so unlike ours. This was getting really uncomfortable now. Finally, we got up the nerve to go talk to our missions pastor. I could hardly even get the words out of my mouth. We're thinking about missions in France. Remember, this was not part of my life story, my life plan. France, he said, huh, I'd say that's probably one of the hardest countries in the world to do ministry in, but don't let that stop you. Great, thanks. But you know what? God knew what we needed to hear. He knew where we were and how he made us. So that pastor talked us through some more ideas of, you know, what, what do you go with this? What do you do next? He suggested we go visit France in person. 
So shortly thereafter, I requested a leave of absence from my job. They said, sure, you can take one, but we can't guarantee you'll have a job when you get back. Okay. Here we go, God. We packed up and headed to France for three weeks. We talked to a lot of people. We visited churches. We drove thousands of miles. We tried to visualize what life would look like there and how God might use us. Then we came home and went to an orientation interview with a missions organization. At the end of the week, the mission said, congratulations, we'd like to offer you a role. And we said, thanks, but we're not ready to say yes yet. You see, I'm a rather slow and deliberate decision maker. Now, we've been putting out the, the proverbial fleeces all along the way, right? What did the mission pastor think we were a good fit? Could we raise some money to go to France? Would my job let me take a leave of absence? Would the mission want us? All had been yes, but I was still hesitant. You see, this decision meant leaving friends and family for what at the time seemed like forever. It meant taking my kids further from their grandparents at a critical life stage. It meant venturing out of solid community. It meant leaving a career. It meant leaving home. It meant leaving safety. It meant heading into the unknown. But God had made us restless for a reason. In those next few weeks, we, t- we continued to pray about it. We asked a lot of people, you know, pray with us. People we trusted and who knew us well. We dreamed together. We thought through possible outcomes and options, both good and bad. Three weeks later, God had done something in me. I had moved from a place of saying, God, this is insane. How could you possibly ask us to do this? To a place of saying, God, this is insane. But if I don't say yes to you now, I'm always going to wonder what you would have done with my life. And I don't want to live like that. See, Jesus has a simple command for us. Follow me. He said it to Simon Peter and Andrew as they fished, calling them to be his, to be his disciples. He said it to Philip. He said it to Levi, the tax collector. He said it to the crowds. He said it to the teacher of the law. And he says it to us. So we reviewed the path we'd been on. God had made us restless. God had slowly revealed options and opened the door to France while actually clearly closing some other doors. Every fleece we'd placed was answered. My wife and I were of one mind, and those close to us confirmed our thinking. And God had changed my heart from fear to, shall I say, cautious enthusiasm. I was still nervous, I'll be honest with you. So we made the commitment to move to France for three years. You know what? God was faithful. Not only did he provide us with new community, but he actually deepened our relationships with the old ones from afar. Our kids know and love their grandparents. I've had the opportunity to actually further develop skills and interests I had when I worked in corporate America. God has provided for every need and more. In fact, it was good enough that we've stayed well beyond those three years. I never could have imagined what, what God would do in us and through us. You know, often when you hear about, about missions, it's about either the hardships or the great things that God has done, the fruit. But I think there's a little secret to missions. That is that God often, God often calls us to do hard things, not because he needs us to do his work. He doesn't need us, he's God. 
but he calls us to places where he can work on us. For me, for us, I think I, I, had, to, I had to be far out of my comfort zone to get to that feeling of helpless incompetency. So that he could show how much more he'd made us to be and to do when we realized and accepted that we were not in control as we might have assumed we were. He showed us things about ourselves and allowed us to be a part of things I never could have imagined if I'd stayed in my safe zone, bound by my fear or my own narrow expectations of what my life should look like. It's been a fantastic, unexpected ride. I'm a different person than I was. I understand God better. I see better what he made me to do. And I see more of how he actually needs to continue to refine me. Now, I work for a missions organization called Greater Europe Mission. Our people do a lot of things. We plant churches. We lead worship. We share the gospel. We fight human trafficking. We run two camps. We offer counseling. We do refugee work, help national churches, do youth ministry, use pottery, dance, and theater. Our teams do a lot of stuff. But everything we do is oriented around helping people in a deeper relationship with Christ so that they can help others come to him and grow in their relationship with Christ. That's why we exist. In my role, I get to work with people all across Europe, ministries all across Europe. It's a fantastic job. I get to see what God's doing in lots of places and know that I get to be used in maybe even a small way in a lot of those things. Now, I'm not saying that everyone needs to pack it up and go overseas to know God better. This is my story. God gives us each a unique narrative. There is something about looking for where God is pushing you, even subtly. Where are you restless? Why? Where's your safe zone? What doors seem to be opening up? What dreams can you not get out of your head? What passions has God given you? Do you need to take some risks and get out of your safe zone and see what God might do with you? But how do you know when God's speaking to you? Let me give you a quick primer. The five C's, we'll call them. Number one, commanding scripture. Does what you're thinking about agree with what the Bible says? Number two, controlling spirit. Do you feel compelled towards something that, or that restlessness like, like we had in our lives? Number three, communion of the saints. Each other. What do those that love you, know you, and, and love Jesus have to say about it? Number four, circumstantial signs. Doors opening and closing. And number five, you'll love this one, common sense. For example, if you have a serious health issue that needs regular care, going to live in the bush might not be the best idea. But God can use us each in different places, right? And he has a path for us. Now, it's important as you think about these five things, two things you need to keep in mind. One, you've got to adopt a posture of listening. And secondly, you can't just focus on one of them. You've got to look at all of them together. So what about you? What about your story? Where are you in the narrative of your life? Maybe you're feeling 
restless with where you are and where you're headed? You know, something's up, but you haven't quite figured it out yet. Or you do know and you don't want to accept it. Maybe you're in a chapter of your story where you feel lost and have no idea where you're headed. Or worse, you know the direction you're aiming for is not what God would want for you. You may have already prayed the sinner's prayer, been baptized, been in church your whole life. But have you fully made faith your own? Maybe you're at the point in your story where you need to make a decision of that, of whether this is really your own personal faith. Will you embrace a personal relationship with Christ and live fully for him? Remember, not deciding actually is a decision. Maybe yours is a story of anger or brokenness. Those close to you have betrayed your trust. You've been abused, raped, taken advantage of, have deep regrets or made bad decisions that you feel trapped by. No matter what the previous chapter of your life has been, God is the author that can write the next chapter unlike anything we can imagine. We don't know what our life story will be like, but I can pretty much guarantee you it's not going to be what you expect. But God knows. He made you. He can guide you. Ask him. Invite him in. Trust him. So back to those three foundational issues. Is your vision for your life too small and too safe? Is it time to make a decision about your own relationship with Christ? And how are you using your time, talent, and treasures for eternal kingdom impact? Think about about these critical questions. If you want to talk, feel free to grab me or my colleague Nicole, who's going to be out at the table after this. We'd love to chat with you. On Friday, I'm going to tell you more about life on mission, no matter where life takes you. I'm going to talk about the depth of relationships and about the adventure possible in a life that comes with that territory. If that scares you, maybe you need to face into it. We'll talk about that too. So come and see if God pushes you out of your comfort zone. Plus, we're also going to have some prizes, so we'll have a good time together on Friday. Let me pray for you. Lord, thank you that you are the God of of the next chapter. You know us better than we know ourselves. You made us. You have a story for our lives, each individually, Lord. You know how you want to use us. You know how you've made us. You love us. Lord, may we be faithful and courageous as we pursue how you've made us to be. In your name, amen.